from the 50, Midweek Edition. Hello, everybody, and welcome in to another edition of the From the 50 podcast. This is our midweek show edition, and we are officially in the playoffs, boys, presented by Book It Sports. And we have a big weekend of games to recap and even a coaching change to to talk about. How are we all doing? I mean, I know Nick Yale, uh, he's got to be feeling pretty good after this weekend, not to brag. <laughs> Sprinkle it all over, baby. Five and two, everything Dude, is right in the world. Five, 15 Holy. and one over the last three weeks. Just just pump the bricks a little bit. Just, just, <laughs> hey. just pump them just a bit, Nick. Fuck okay. off. You went one and six this weekend. You got yeah, you know what? Week. I don't care. You have your good weeks and your bad weeks, but you had three I'm bad just weeks saying, in a row. Just... Overall, I'm still ahead of you, so that's all that matters. That's wonderful, Nick. Congratulations. You are, you're looking you at the bottom officially... of the barrel. It's it's fun for you to do that. You're, you're, you, are officially... you shouldn't be worried about me, but because it's me, you have to watch out, you know, because I'm seven I... games back. You're scared. You came, you came in here firing off shots right off the bat, man. I'm no, I, 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 I didn't start anything. Winning, baby. No, whatever. Hey, 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 I called Cleveland money line outright to win that game, and, and there it was. So, yeah. I, I feel will... like on the midweek show, I'm like Dave Chappelle, like with the water knocking over, and then I just bounce, and then I just <laughs> let Nick and TJ feud to intro the show. Throw it it out. Yeah, usually how it goes. I will, yeah. I will goes. rub my Saints 10.5 and, and Browns money line bets in your guys' faces. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, wrong, wrong, wrong for leaving me on an island there. He had a big day. He had a big day. There you go. <laughs> yeah, congrats, Nick. Wait, wait Nick, I do, have to, I do have to say, too, with with the ring light and the green screen, you're looking just en fuego, my friend. So uh, hey, congratulations. We, we got something on going on that green screen, though. Like, you know, it's just green. Well, normally, if we were on StreamYard, I, I have a whole background and everything for it. I was going to put some brews in the balcony stuff, but then, you know, cost efficiencies we go we go with the uh with the with the fancier program but we can't figure out the green screen yet so you should put space cats when you get it figured out yeah there we go (laughs) nick you know Mm -hmm. someone should do research on that maybe the guy that has the green screen you know i don't know i i think i have very limited capabilities on on my end of the end of the uh thing here all right i I believe on, on wirecast but yeah we'll look into it we'll do some we'll do some homework well, meanwhile, boys, uh, we had six six playoff games this past weekend, three on Saturday, three on Sunday. I don't know if we want to cover them in order. I do want to get to the playoff games before we talk about Ola, Ola, Dougie P, and Philly because I feel like we talk about it so often. I'm so over it. I'm happy this is going to be the last time we have to discuss that freaking organization for a while. And I, I don't want to talk about the NFC least outside of the WFT game. Uh, at least in these recaps, because we should be rid of those god-awful franchises for the next four weekends of football. The pretenders Finally. are gone, and, and and the good teams are around, and we got some good football games. First up, it was the Bills and the Colts, and I think that was probably the second-best game of the weekend. I mean, I'd say Ravens-Titans on Sunday was a little better, but uh, that one came down to the wire and I know we already kind of recapped the Saturday games, so we'll go through these three relatively quickly. But uh, what are your guys' closing thoughts as the as uh, the Bills kind of move on into the divisional round? Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, watching that game, Buffalo came out a little bit sloppy, but they kind of looked like they have the entire season. The offense was moving the ball, and the question was, was Indy going to be able to keep up? And after the first half, you know, Frank Wright going forward on a couple opportunities and. You know, really having your chance to to dominate that game and and not, and not dominate, but to stay in it, to take advantage, and to really put your your foot on their throat. 
he didn't really get the job done. He had a couple opportunities inside the five and uh, went for it on a couple fourth downs. And they say it's because analytics and all this stuff. But, you know, it, it seemed like the right move was to kick the field goal at one point. Then they go for it on a fourth and goal from the four after losing three yards on a carry. So the Colts had their chances and they still only lost the game by three. So that tells you right there, is it Buffalo? Is this the thing they do in the playoffs where are we going to see this next week coming up? Or is this just something that, you know, was the first week and they were kind of getting used to it? I don't know, but Indy showed up a little bit, um, but they could have had a chance to win that game. I I don't, I don't know if Buffalo's going to feel like they're lucky to be there. I mean, they, you know, there was a, there was a couple chances by Indy to get it done, but you know, and Nick said the other day, and he he might be right that that uh, Indy should have won that football game, but uh, you know, Buffalo's a solid team. They're confident. I I don't think they're you know sitting there. Oh, we're grateful to be here in round two. I think they're fine, but they better watch out because Baltimore yeah. came to play yesterday. So. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, Big Web. I, I I know that it got a little hairy there at the end, but Buffalo was in control of that game throughout most of the football game. And then, of course, you know, it, it got a little bit wild down the stretch, but they closed it out and, you know, the the fourth down fumble, whatever, I, they, it should have been over. It shouldn't have been as close as it was. So uh, I don't have any lost confidence in the Bills moving forward. I, I do think it, is big, it was big to get that first one out of the way. I, I think that was the, the true test because this group has never won a playoff game. So I think it was – Honestly, kind of a blessing in disguise that they got the Saturday noon game. You got the you got the seven seed Colts visiting. There's no fans. There's, it, it, I, I imagine it's about as low pressure as you can get in a postseason environment. You didn't get the prime time NBC telecast where they're going to build it up as the best playoff game of the, uh, of the weekend. No pun intended. Uh, you got to kind of get your win out of the way early and move on to the next round. Well, and I think too for Buffalo, it's it's going to come down to can they contain Lamar Jackson in that next game? That was something they had issues with when they played the Cardinals, Kyler Murray, and, and lost to the Cardinals earlier in the year. But they really haven't faced too many um, mobile quarterbacks, and Lamar really opened it up against Tennessee uh, with the with the run game first, not really through the air at all in the passing game. But it's going to be interesting to see can they contain Lamar? Sure, certainly their offense is going to going to do go out and do their thing but once they let Indy get back into the game and Indianapolis and ended up covering that spread that's going to be a bigger issue with Lamar Jackson than, than Phillip Rivers who is a much different quarterback and if they can't contain Lamar th- this spread's low it's only at one and a half right now so that's going to be an interesting matchup to watch at 330 you had the Rams and the Seahawks and I, I thought that was certainly an upset I mean to me um, especially with John Walford starting the game, the AAF king. And then uh, he goes that he lasts about a series and a half, ends up getting transported to the hospital. And I don't mean to sound mean. I wouldn't be, you know, saying this if uh, he wasn't okay. But that that picture of him, like, going to the Ambo, you know, that, like, grainy photo that they put uh, – on Twitter, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, of, of him, they're like John Walford is being transferred to the to the ambulance or to the hospital, and he just looks like so like dead in the face and dead in the eyes. I just couldn't help but like smirk at that, you know. I like obviously like you hope he's okay and everything, but um, Goff ends up coming in in that game, and I I talked about you know the 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 Rams situation. Uh, on on the Sunday show, but one thing I didn't say and, and that I thought was kind of interesting about that game 
I don't think it was fully Jared Goff's thumb. I don't think that was totally the reason Walford started the game. I, I think it had to do with the fact that Goff had played so poorly down the stretch and that the head coach, I think, preferred Walford in that game because he was able to roll out and give them some options. Now, obviously, Goff's going to be the guy for the remainder of the postseason. They're going to sink or swim with him. I don't even know if Walford will be available next weekend, but I thought that was very interesting. Like The broadcast basically admitted as much that, that Goff was pushing to play, and clearly he could throw well enough to play. And yet they went with Walford. So I thought that was very, very interesting and intriguing part of that game. And it'll be a situation that I think kind of monitor as we head into the offseason. Do you guys think that if he wouldn't have gotten hurt, that he would have played the full game and then the Rams would have lost? Because I I do. They would have. I I absolutely agree. I I think the Rams probably lose that game if he's playing the whole time. But they, they still had the same exact problem that they've had in previous years that they're going into Green Bay. They're going into Lambeau in the cold in, in, uh, in January now, and golf doesn't play well in cold weather. So you, you're still kind of having a question mark there. And, and I, don't, I don't know why we only see the number at seven right now, looking ahead to that Packers game, but that number's only at seven right now. So I know the Rams have the number one defense in the league, and, and, uh, and Green Bay has struggled against some good defenses this year so far. But to me, that number's low. And, and, and again, I, I think – it was more of a situation of Seattle losing that game than it was the Rams going out and winning that game. So McVeigh yeah. McVay did admit that he was going with Wolford no matter what. Yeah. And see, some, I, I some didn't, Vegas, did he say that in the post post game comments, Tolly? I don't know when he said it. I heard it today from Mike Lombardi as he was talking about some other stuff. He also said that he talked with a couple of the bookmakers down in Vegas, and they told him it didn't matter if golf was starting or not. That line was staying at three. He did not move the line at all. So he said he asked, what if Russell Wilson's out? They said it would move the line six points. Wow. Interesting. It's huge. It's huge. I mean, going into that game, too, it was set up that Seattle had a chance to finally get over the hump that was the L.A. Rams. How many times has Russ been running for his life against the Rams this year and just not able to do anything? Aaron Donald is his daddy. It is insane. It's insane. And the thing is, the only big touchdown they had was to Metcalf, and he was running for his life on that one, too. Yeah, he just happened to flip it, it up. It was a broken yeah, was play. Just a and he goes, he, bullshit. Yeah. DK, like, he, goes, he basically goes, keep going. He drew it up in the dirt. Right. Yeah. It was it was a backyard football Which is, play. I'd say, about 70% of Russ's touchdowns. You know, he threw I, – I, I forget how many he threw the first – eight weeks of the season it was like 28 touchdowns or something like that the first eight weeks last eight weeks does anybody want to just let's just go around take a guess how many touchdowns do you think russell wilson threw the last eight weeks of the regular season four uh i'm gonna say i'll say five wow you guys short sold him he threw 12 but that is (laughs) not even close to the mvp caliber you know, no. player we saw over the first half of the season. I mean, that's a little, Rages. little over a touchdown per game through a half, whole half a season. I mean, that's a significant sample size in the NFL. So I guess you know, I, I think I should have where I was wrong about this game is I should have seen the offensive struggles on the wall. And I think one thing I sold short about the Rams was their defense. They're the number one defense in the NFL. I, I don't care what stats you could you showed me before the game. I would have told you I don't believe they're truly the number one defense in the NFL. But 
boy, they play like it. I mean, this past weekend, and they have just some premium, premium players on that side of the ball. And the guys that aren't premium players that you haven't heard of, because, I mean, they have Ramsey and they have Donald. They have that star power. Then the guys you haven't heard of, like uh, Joseph Day and Fox on the defensive line and, like, John Johnson and Troy Hill are studs. Like, they are just a really complete defensive team. And I don't quite know how they got there, to be completely honest with you, because they haven't had any good picks in a while. But somehow, this defense is just clicking. Yeah, yeah. It's it's insane how, how good they are. And even when they don't have a quarterback or, you know, a quarterback with one thumb, they somehow just dominate. And they honestly carry that team, which makes them dangerous going into the second round. But... You, it's just so hard to pick against the Rams, but I love Seattle. I mean, Seattle had more talent, more talent playing at home. Again, granted, with no fans, but it just seemed like they had a setup to where they could make a run in the playoffs, and they could they they could not have had the war the worst matchup in round one. That's the one team that they cannot compete against. It's yeah. it's insane how much that they absolutely dominate. And as Zook said earlier, Aaron Donald is Russ's daddy. It is insane they just he throws the offensive lineman around like ragdolls if, if, if any team misses their home fans it's, it's the 12th player right it's in seattle so uh you know that was very very much hurt them there and, and like nick said did the rams really beat them or did seattle beat themselves there yeah you know and, and I, it, almost seems like, it almost seems like seattle was kind of disorganized i don't i don't know if they really i don't know if the rams were that good i just think seattle was that bad I mean, you score yeah. like what ten points throughout the majority of the game. So right. like, they, were, they, were, they were down twenty. Didn't take much to beat them. <laughs> they get yeah. they get a they get a helpful touchdown uh, later on at the end to make it a little bit more reasonable. But still, it's it's like come on. I mean, Pete Carroll, you got to be able to coach better than that. I mean, you have all the pieces out there, and certainly the defense hasn't been great this year. But you're facing. You start by facing a backup quarterback, and then Goff isn't that great of a quarterback either. I mean, I don't think he's a top ten quarterback in this league, and so you just you got beat beat on the ground by Cam Akers. And for anybody that saw that Cam Akers anytime touchdown, Cam Akers over hundred yards, that was about a lock as you can get, and it was ten to one. I mean, with with that backup QB in there. He had on. that by the end of the first half, didn't he? Or yeah, did he yeah, yeah. It was, it was, it was lock. And are you they said, gonna? Uh, are they going to run the same thing against Green Bay? Who knows? Oh uh, yeah, they definitely are. Uh, they have he to. Ha- he set a works. rookie he set a rookie like franchise record for yards gained in the postseason by a rookie player. It's like it, this is what I don't get about Sean McVay. I think he's a brilliant coach, but like I think he's about as conservative. He like I, I don't think this narrative gets pushed on him. It will. I'll squat on this in the next couple of years. People are going to start to realize it because he's like this young, talented coach. He kind of goes under the radar on this but he's one of the most conservative coaches in the nfl the guy refuses to take any chances and he played donald brown and freaking daryl henderson over this kid for like the first 14 weeks of the season probably for no reason other than he was a rookie and he had a rib cartilage injury like in september so like i i don't i don't know where he's been all year but he adds an element to that offense for sure uh and, and if they can get production from him i mean they, they can go they can go pretty pretty long ways i mean can you imagine man if they had a top quarterback like if they had a guy that they could lean on honestly they had a top 15 quarterback yeah it's just golf is we you know you think he's the guy you think he's the guy in la and then he just throws up duds and i know right now he can't do anything about it he's got a thumb injury but oh my god i mean he just 
he looks like shit. And they have every other piece they need. They got two top receivers. They got a stud running back now. They got one of the best defenses in the NFL. They probably have, I'd say, third best coach in the NFL, maybe second right now. And you got a quarterback that is just so inconsistent. So I, that's the one thing that I think they're going to be looking for is to replace Goff. So one of these free agent quarterbacks or these trades we're talking about in the offseason, don't be shocked if the Rams make a move. Like, you He's know, I just think they're one piece money. away. They, yeah, they I, I know, can, yeah. but... Yeah, so but Watson, and they're talking about I, trading I him to the Dolphins. With, I know it's a different situation, but you never know. I agree with you, TJ, that as soon as his number gets to a place where they... Like, they're not signing him to another deal. I mean, yeah. things change about as, you know, fast as the weather does. Like, all of a sudden, Tr- Trubisky was going to get a short-term extension with the Bears, and now I'm sure that changed after he became the MVP of the Nickelodeon game, and we'll get to that <laughs> later in the show. <laughs> but I, I got to think that he's not coming back. Um, but but I, I do agree with you, TJ. I think that they're going to look to move off him as soon as they're able. I think it's like a Derek Carr situation that the Raiders kind of found themselves in once they hired Gruden it's like they weren't really able to move off of him the other options weren't that great because you also got to think about before you fire the coach or before you make you fire the player you got to think about who you're replacing him with like you kind of got to have that answer before you do it or else you're setting your franchise back so uh but I but I do agree that that I don't the coaching staff clearly does not like him I mean McVay's clearly over it and I don't think McVay drafted him did he I believe he golf was with Fisher his rookie year. Uh, yeah. yeah, he was with Fisher. Was he that, absolutely that was. That was the year after they moved, I think. Right. Now, Les Snead, I believe, was still in place. So oh, he was. He's, he's still Les Snead's guy, but he's not McVay's guy. And I think uh, eventually McVay's going to want to try to get his own quarterback in there. And McVay's, he, he's got the juice at this point, I would think, within the organization and around the league that he can have more of a say, especially when it comes to offensive personnel. I, if I was the GM, I'd be like, yeah, yeah pick – if it's offensive guys, you can pick them. I mean, just pick who you want. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. The the night game uh, was the Washington football team at the uh, Tampa Bay Bucks. I don't have many thoughts on this one. Uh, Tampa Bay won by eight. Nice performance by Heineke. Never really thought the game was in doubt for uh, Tampa Bay. It's just a good playoff performance uh, by the Washington football team who has a good defense and a good front seven. But Tampa Bay weathers the storm and – I, I think that they're going to be dangerous next week. How about Cam Sims, though, man? I mean, they got some receivers, too. So, I mean, McLaurin has yeah, proved that he's a top receiver, but Cam Sims, holy shit. He looks good. Yeah. Logan Thomas looks good. Like, Washington's not far off. You know, they are they got a good defense. They got probably one of the best front fours you'll see, front threes. I mean, it's they're all over the place in the backfield usually. And, you know, luckily for Tampa, they kept, uh, they kept Chase Young at bay, and Brady was able to move in the pocket a little bit more. And, I think he only had one hurry uh, in the first half, I believe. So he he was able to really move in the pocket and, and perform enough. And, you know, Washington will be back for sure. But I think if we can all agree as football fans, I don't care what you had your money on, we all wanted to see Brady move on. We all want to see what he Everybody can do. Does. You yeah. know what I mean? It, it, pick Washington or Tampa. Definitely. Like, a lot of us want Tampa to see Bay, Tampa. Tampa Bay Webb over there. Yeah, I, right. I, I, think, I think aside from, you know, Big Webb's uh, Atlanta Falcons winning the NFC South, pick before the season began everyone wanted to see the Brady breeze matchup when Brady came down to the bucks and and breeze has even said it this week you, you have two quarterbacks oldest quarterbacks to ever play in the uh in the playoff games at 43 and breeze turns 42 on Thursday uh that's going to be a, a, a game that's going to be very fun to watch spreads only at three and a half right now and think that's right 
pretty much on the money. Two really good defenses. Outside the Rams, these are probably two of the best defenses in the league uh, along with the Colts. So really going to be an interesting matchup on the total there too to see what yep. that looks like. But I'm excited for that one. I think that's the game I'm most excited for. On oh, the yeah. Slate next yeah, week. I think that's like infinitely more intriguing than uh, than Rams-Packers. Yeah. Uh, that's a divisional matchup. You got uh, Tom Brady – who has never lost to a, an organization three times in a season. That's going to be in play. Uh, you have the Saints' fourth-ranked defense. I don't know where the Bucks are ranked. I think they're top ten still. I know they faded, but they still have the personnel yeah, offensively. So that's going to be an interesting game because uh, it, it's, it's such a good matchup because it's not like the two defenses are good and they're just going to dominate. Two offenses are pretty talented too. I, I right. you're not going to get like a ten to six game. Like it's going to be somewhere in the in the low twenties, high teens. Like it's going to be awesome back and forth football is what I expect from that one. And I don't expect the Saints to just house the Bucks like they did the first two times they play. I mean, they kicked their ass yeah. both times. Right. So I like. Do you, do you think it's really hard to beat a team three times? Tampa so, Tampa is a different football team these days than they were in both those early games and. Uh, I'll tell you what, Thomas, Thomas has got a taste. He got a taste last week, too, and uh, he looked pretty damn good, you know. So well, he's a weapon they haven't had. It's the first time the three of those guys have been on the field together, um, really, this season. I mean, they've been pretty much playing without one of their three studs throughout the entire season. So you got all three of them together now. Yeah. That's going to be uh, – I, I, I heard this on the broadcast. You guys want to play trivia again? Do you yeah, know yeah. how many quarters that Breeze, Camara, and Thomas have played together this season? Nine. I know it's 57 snaps. Oh. I don't know how many quarters that equates for. 57 snaps? So 60, 67 snaps is what so it was. So that's four quarters then? Nine yeah. quarters. Big Web's close. It's ten. They played 10 quarters together in the regular season. Wow. Because yeah. of the Michael Thomas drama. Then you had, Andrews. I think, Camara missed a game Breeze was out. Then yeah. Breeze missed about a month. So, uh, so, yeah, this is a team that, again, like – that I, I didn't really fear them a whole lot, but if they get, you know, Michael Thomas in the office, I tell you what, Deontay Harris too, like I know he's kind of just a gadget guy, but he he's a problem. Like he Dude. when you're game planning during the week, that you don't want to have to deal with him. There are so many good stories this playoffs. Like you mm-hmm. talk about the Bills, what they can do. Can Patty Mahomes, you know, repeat? You got Brady with the Bucks. Like he could win one more Super Bowl to end wow. it all. You got yeah, Aaron Rodgers getting close to the end of his career, like you think. So, I mean, there's so many. The Browns, yeah. I mean, there's a million different yeah. stories going on. And the Rams, like the Rams are, I mean, they're, I don't think a lot of people expect them to be the way they played midseason. So there's just, there's a lot of good shit that can happen. And honestly, it's not good for betters, but for NFL fans in general watching the games, anything can pretty much happen. So, yeah. Let's move on to Sunday. Um, Ravens and Titans. I thought this was the game of the weekend. I thought it was awesome. Um, I think for the most part, were we all on the Ravens? I had the Titans. Had you had the Titans. Well, you had to be feeling pretty good for the first half because the Ravens come out flat again, and you're kind of thinking in the back of your mind, here we go again, playoff Ravens and playoff this pop gun offense. They go off for about 9 million yards in the regular season, and then I think, I think there's something to be said for just effort, and I was thinking about this today when I was at work. They, like – the the front you can run on a on a team in the regular season and then go up against that same personnel and just get stonewalled. And I think the Titans are a good example of that. And it's not as though you're not trying or you're not giving maximum effort in the regular season. But I think anybody that's played sports or football, like 
for those big games, like you can find an extra gear and you can take it to you know that next level. That you you find something extra within, and I think that that's a lot of what running the football is. It is pure willpower, and who who wants it more? And the Titans clearly are just bound to determine. They're like, you're not running on us. It's not going to happen. And they absolutely shut that shit down for about 30 minutes. But the thing with the Ravens and why they're so dangerous is you contained them for almost the entire first half, and it took one missed tackle for them Mm -hmm. to to break one to the house because they're so explosive and so athletic. And then Lamar, I mean, again, would not have touched him in the first round. I think the first first half was a pretty good amalgamation of his play. But I got to give the guy credit. He, He has gotten better each and every season, and he has improved. And the reason they won that game is because of his passing ability. And he was he did a nice job of closing that game out. Yeah, when you he, have a, go ahead, Nick. He started slow there with the with the interception right off the bat, and and getting down to Tennessee like that on the road is is something where Baltimore struggles because they typically come out to that that first quarter lead and then will run the ball pretty much the entire game and not really have to go to the passing attack at all. And they they trailed Tennessee, but really just stuck to their game plan and and um Tennessee was hurt by their game plan. Tennessee was uh, a ground and pound team and and I said it uh before the uh before the game with Clayus Campbell coming back if you can bring, if you can keep Derrick Henry in check, you take Tennessee pretty much out of the game. Certainly they have AJ Brown who who made some nice plays and uh and Ryan Tannehill had some good connections with him later in the game too, but you take Derrick Henry out of that ball game, all of a sudden Mike Vrabel forgets how to coach when he doesn't have his, his guy Derrick Henry and and I mean absolutely cowardice punting on on fourth and what fourth <laughs> oh and two God, exactly. On, exactly. The, on the plus half of the 50 like yeah, dude, it's insane. what the hell uh, as a, as an under better I was like fuck yeah let's go this is awesome but I was still rooting for Tennessee I had Tennessee 10 and a half so I'm like we, we need we're, we're in trouble here we don't need Baltimore to score and they end up kicking the field goal and and, and covering by seven which is which is uh got completely lucky there because Mike Vrabel just, I mean, that, that is, that, that's not a fireable offense in that situation, but you, you saw it on the sideline. Derrick Henry was pissed. That well, that's the thing. I mean, they have the best running back in the NFL. You know, he's won two rushing titles in a row. And, and not only that, but, you know, when they shut down the run, it shuts down their entire offense because they're a play-action team. Ryan Tannehill goes play action, and then if you have him and Henry going, it's done. That's when the Titans are at their most dangerous. And then they have a game like that where they start out just firing on all cylinders, mainly because the the Ravens were just sleeping. They just weren't playing well at all. And then all of a sudden, you, you know, see the Titans that can't get the run game going, and then they just shut down. Yep. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah, the, no, I, I, think the, I think the Titans, you look in the offseason, they'll probably add – like a finesse back or somebody to to a uh, company. Oh yeah, Henry and and be able to flip one out and, and and do little play action kind of stuff because you're right they focus on him and it shut they're one dimensional. Can you imagine if they had like a JD McKissick or somebody like that to to compliment yeah. them? I mean, it'd be yeah. insane. That's the problem is is Derrick Henry isn't really a receiving back at all. You know that's why that's why I stand by my guy K41 being the best back in the league is because he can be a downhill runner but he can also catch the ball. And on the screen, and then and then make the play. That's what they don't have is they hand the ball off to Derrick Henry. But if they can do that play action and then check down to a running back that can just grab the ball, get open in space, and make the moves, they they, they don't have that. And Derrick Henry's not that kind of not he's not that kind of running back. He's just a big brute that breaks the tackle and just didn't get one loose. I thought he was going to get at least one. He was he was a 
a, a shoestring tackle away from having a, a 70 yard touchdown there once, which he probably should have had. Yeah. I mean, I, I think with the ten, the issue with the passing back is they have them on the roster. They don't have it in the playbook. Like it's just mm-hmm. not a part of what they do. Cause they had Dion Lewis there from the Patriots for a year or two. And now they drafted Darrington Evans out of app state. I think he's pretty good, but he doesn't even see the field because it just, uh, it's just not even part of what they do. I mean, it's just, it's DK 2K or bust. And when you get into the playoffs, I, I do think that it's a little different in Tennessee's case because the guy is just such a hulking, you know, back that he just falls forward and he, he just beat teams down. I mean, they beat teams down all the way to the AFC title game, uh, you know, uh, a season ago. But um, I, I just don't think it's a part of the of the offense. So maybe that's something they have to they need to self scout in the offseason and realize, OK, like where do we need to add an element to the offense? And I think maybe that is be more creative. Like you can, you know, have a good run game, but you don't need to just smash it off guard every single yeah, time either. I mean, you can do other stuff. Yeah, they do the same thing. It's because he, dad's right. He's not a finesse back. Like, you know, what you get from him. He, in open field, he's got great speed, but he's a power guy. He's going to put his shoulder pad down and try to run over you. And that's it. That's what they do. But it works. I mean, the guy gets, you know, he leads the league in rushing because of that. But you're right. If he has the un- the predictable first down run to the right side, right guard, left guard every single time, it's going to be caught up. You're right. Yeah. I mean, they have to find some type of fluctuation. And that's why I think that the frustration and the, and the fans were booing uh, in Tennessee because in that position when they were fourth and two in the plus side of the 50, it, they were down by four. Like, And I know they were yeah. counting on their defense to go and – but their defense was not showing up. In the, yeah. In the, in the, I, I mean, they, they were. It was like what's what, weird. Is Rabel usually goes for that? Yeah, that's yeah, I think weird. That's, yeah. my, that's my thing. Is like, sure, your defense was holding holding Baltimore to points, but you know, you're not going to get a Baltimore's defense play great the whole game. So you're not going to get a great opportunity, even if you go for it, miss there to to try to get the ball back. I mean, there was only like ten minutes left in the game, so. It was uh, it was definitely a questionable move by by Vrabel, and we kind of saw that across the board. You saw Pete Carroll not going for it on fourth down. You saw Mike Tomlin not going on for not going for it on fourth down against the Browns, and then you saw Vrabel not go for it on fourth down. So really, just some cowardice coaching. Uh, there and, was so for many reason, times, and they're all going to be sitting on the couch next weekend. So yeah. many, so many times yesterday, I was watching. Even when they lined up for these punts, okay, they're they trying to draw them off sides because we're not talking about fourth and a bunch, right? Dude, so they're just trying Steelers to draw them off sides. Oh my and, god! And you're sitting there going, "Okay, now they're going to fake it." I just kept looking for the, the fake every time. Yeah. I couldn't believe they're blocking oh the ball. So anyway, I didn't yeah. get to watch that Ravens Titans game, so I was reading up on some analysis today since the Ravens are playing Buffalo. Uh, this weekend and on 72 percent of tennessee's handoffs to derrick henry it was against a stacked box so it was mostly just Vrabel being hard-headed like call your play action then Tannehill, check out of it like yeah, it you gotta like, do something they, they had nine in the box they had nine in the box a lot of times it, it was crazy it was absolutely I crazy. do I do understand though like if your guy if he's been your horse all year and that's what you've been doing that's win or lose you guys run that offense you can't change it in the playoffs so that's that's where he got caught up saying holy shit we we can't run with Derrick Henry today and he keeps running it down their throat so that's the problem that's what Baltimore didn't you know Baltimore didn't have Calais Campbell and some of their other big dogs that they had in this game and you have arguably the second most most athletic human being wide receiver in the league, and AJ Brown, second only to DK Metcalf, freaking use them like the the times they did have AJ Brown again. That's where I was sweating the under because I'm I'm watching Baltimore stack nine in the box. 
I'm like, here comes the play action. They're going to go 70-yard bomb to A.J. Brown again. Touchdown. And they had it, too, on the pick when, when Marcus Peters picked it off. They had A.J. Brown down the sideline, completely beat, waving his hand for the ball, and, and Tannehill just absolutely missed him. Yeah. yeah, that's the thing. Baltimore's corners aren't that good either. You no. could have had multiple shots like that. Because Tennessee is one of those teams that is kind of, you know, besides their defense, is stacked up to to make a playoff run. You saw it last year. But then they, they just totally crumble. It's kind of like the Ravens, honestly. You know, the Ravens, the way they started that game, that's the problem is you play against a team like the Chiefs who usually don't have a down quarter, and you got the Ravens who in some way or some fashion the first or second half plummet and can't move the football, play shitty defense, and in the playoffs you can't win. You can't win that way. So – that's the separation between Kansas City and the Ravens, between the Bills and the Ravens. You know, it's just there's this like this hill, you know, and the Ravens are a little bit down. Yeah. And mm-hmm. they they have a lot of talent, but it's just I, there's something about them that doesn't scream Super Bowl champs. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They certainly leave a little something to be desired. I, at three o'clock, I, I thought this was the worst game of the whole weekend. So it, I actually fell asleep during it. Um, and I woke up and like it, it was over and they were previewing Sunday night and I was like, what happened? Uh, I mean, you weren't so, stoked about the Nickelodeon game. Come on. I, I don't get Nick cause I'm a cord cutter. I, so I was I watching on CBS, but I was seeing some of the clips and man, I was, I was I laughing so hard well, at like the, uh, the announcing style too. Cause it's like for the kids, yeah. I was cracked. It cracked my shit up when, uh, Alvin Kamara scores a touchdown. They like cut to bikini bottom dancing and they even did like the bubble <laughs> transition. I saw that. But then they had like the the announcers like, oh, it's lit, the slime. And I was like, Jesus Christ. Well, the worst Did- one was when they punted and they're like, oh, the ball's up in the air. And it was like, oh it was the punt. Like, it's all weird. You see, they had to explain, they explained all the football terms and stuff. They had the kid that played young Sheldon. He would yes. like pop on and be like, this is what a first down is. This is what a punt is. It's like, can you imagine as a, as a grown man watching football for 50 years and for some reason your, your CBS app or whatever is out? So you have to watch on Nickelodeon and you're getting explained <laughs> what a first down is. Can you imagine? It sounds I like also... a good big web punishment. <laughs> oh, shit. Barney comes Scott out. Hansen. First down. <laughs> I also thought it was hilarious that uh, that was probably the most child inappropriate game of the weekend, too. You had, I think, three unsportsmanlike conduct penalties mm-hmm. and an ejection. They dropped so, an F-bomb on it, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's got, right. So that's I'm, right. I'm in my car listening to that. And Alex Kemp's crew, by the way, did a fucking horrible job in that game. That was one of the, that was easily the worst officiate game of the weekend. The unsportsmanlike call on Cole Komet was atrocious. How they, I, I actually thought that that was an interception too that they reversed. That one was a little bit more forgivable, but I, I thought his his hands were under it enough to. If it looks like a catch and it walks like a catch, it's probably a catch. And that we still don't have that figured out. And then Alex Kemp is making the making the call and he gets the number wrong. And you can tell the Bears have had it. At first the Bears I heard did. It, yeah, they had he, it. He said he said like 85, and they're like, 84, get it right. Yeah, and then Cordell uh, Patterson was like, no, it was me. Yeah, yeah Cordell Cordero <laughs> just goes, What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Who was the guy that dropped the pass in the end zone? Javon Wims. Yeah. yeah. Dude, that, I mean, Mitch Trubisky made a beautiful like, throw, and that's oh something God. we don't say too often. How much and then all of a sudden, 
right in the hands in the end zone. Catch the ball. It's playoffs. I'm watching that ball through the air. I'm like, shit, 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 shit. Watch the DB fall down. I'm oh. like, fuck. I just dropped my head and then look up like, oh, he dropped it. I was like, oh. no. It was so bad. I saw Trent going off on Book It about that. I guess he had the Bears. Oh, yeah. He had max unit play on the Bears. Kind of oh. Like, Dude, you're a fucking idiot. Dude, that's tough. Idiot. That tough one. How will the Mitch Trubisky era be remembered? Dude, we'll see. Everyone was like, oh, big number. Bears can cover 10 and a half. And I was scared a little bit about that 10 and a half. But, like, again, <sighs> I, I, I said on the on the show on Sunday, the Bears did not deserve to be there. They, they only got in because the Cardinals lost. Like, they got their ass kicked by the Packers. They're not a playoff team. Yeah. They you saw every really- tick every tick of the clock. The, the Bears just got more demoralized. They just got yeah, – they, they were down. And then, and then even a field goal, but they just get all demoralized. Oh, God, yeah. Terrible. Just – it was it was a – brutal game and and you know you just sit there you're ready for the bears to like oh maybe they'll do something uh maybe you know they got their second chance by the cardinals lose and they barely squeaked into the playoffs maybe they'll perform today they'll for sure cover 10 and a half i just wanted them to make it entertaining yeah, i know where, where i made I my mistake yesterday on that game watching the bears is uh an unpleasant experience yeah and where, I where i made my mistake was i, I had them like I told you guys that they scored 30 in four games and we looked at their defenses that they were up against and they weren't up against good defenses, but I still went with the bears and they didn't score shit because they were up against good defense. So yeah. As you yeah, look to make your bets for this weekend too, Vegas won five of the six games this week. The only one the public got right were the Ravens. Hmm. And Nick yeah. won four or six. <laughs> <laughs> the guy who's in Nevada. Dude. There was 87% of sharp money on the Steelers, and there was like 96% of the tickets on the Steelers. Wow. Jesus. Yeah, well, let's talk about that game because I think that was the shocker of the weekend. I mean, it's 28 nothing before you can blink. I still thought that the Steelers were going to come back. Like, I've seen the Packers get up on teams like that, and I think it's actually kind of a tough spot. Now, the team doesn't usually come back to win the football game. But they do usually come back to at least make you nervous because there's just so much time. It's such a weird feeling to be in when you're the team up 28 nothing, and the 10 minutes have gone by. Like, there's 50 minutes left in the game, and we're yeah. going into cruise cruise control. Or you're already thinking, like, wow, we're kicking their fucking ass. We're on we to the next round, point, so. and you still got three quarters left to play. And so... I, I did. I didn't completely lose faith in the Steelers because I thought they were a good enough team. I was like, well, they'll mount a comeback. Big Ben attempts damn near sixty, what seventy throws. He had sixty-eight pass attempts. Yeah, uh, most, because they most, got down and just decided, well, we're not running the ball. So uh, history. five, yeah. like five hundred yards of passing in like the last five hundred one. And guess yeah. what? None of it mattered. It wasn't nope. a good performance. Like you oh, can say, you, oh, you, yeah, three touchdowns of five hundred yards. It wasn't. It was a terrible game. Four picks. When you four see Marquis four picks, Marquis Pouncey sending it over his head on the first play, you're like, "Yeah, oh, this isn't going to go well." My, my popcorn wasn't even popped, and I was down fourteen freaking points. Yeah, yeah. But I tell you, I tell you what's going I on I was here. Tweeting and, and, that they were down twenty-one nothing, they went down twenty-eight nothing. You can't you can't get too excited about Cleveland here because really playing the Chiefs four four, four interceptions and and a hike for a touchdown over the guy's head. I mean, shit, those are gifts, gifts, gifts. And they still let – the Steelers got back within 14 points, right? I mean – No, they did, but but they yeah, ran the ball a lot better than I thought they would. They ran they well. Did. They ran listen well, to, yeah. uh, Listen to this one. There was a guy that pregame put a $5,000 three-way parlay, Browns money line, 
Kareem Hunt anytime touchdown, Browns defense anytime touchdown to win two hundred and twenty-two grand. Oh, cash. wow! What an insane. He person. put Browns money line in anytime Cleveland defense TD score. What the hell? What was the first? I would have seen. Oh, he put he five bucks up. on that. I was talking about this earlier. I said, "What if who had, if someone had a safety as the first score? Yeah, uh, prop." That one's like plus what twenty thousand, and that snap goes over their head, and that's all you're thinking is, "Holy shit, I'm gonna win a fuck ton of money!" And then it's a it's a touchdown <laughs> because the Steelers didn't get on top of it, and you're just demoralized. <laughs> that and happened you even to my had buddy a chance in the Super Bowl. He had first score being a safety and put fifty bucks on it. That year it was uh, Seahawks and uh, Broncos. And yeah, he cashed out like a shit ton of money, like ten grand or fifteen grand, something like that. Wow. Just threw yeah. 50 bucks. I'm like, a oh, fuck? Must be nice. Yeah. Wish I had that kind of capital to blow. No shit. Yeah, no kidding. The content all over the place. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I don't yeah. know. That, yeah, that... My, my, like, my just quote, takeaways from the game is that Steelers, I think, what, what we've been talking about the last four to six weeks, just bit them in the ass. And uh, the Browns. Talking, not enough playbook reading. Yeah, I. <laughs> Do you hear what Clay, Chase Claypool said today? Went live on TikTok. Said what that, is the Steelers wide receivers can't shut their trap? Chase Claypool today on TikTok says, "Yeah, it was a tough loss, but doesn't worry. They're gonna they're gonna get clapped next week, saying they're gonna lose next week about the Browns." Probably not wrong. Y'all need to stop talking about any other team. Yeah, yeah. it doesn't I, work yeah, out. It doesn't for really you. matter because they clapped you. So. Yeah. yeah, you got clapped by the team Twice, that you think bro. is going to get clapped. Talk, talk about wanting it more. The Browns' offensive line. Won oh it more. yeah. I mean, did you see the deer in headlights look? I kind of like when they when there's just an old school ass beating going on in the trenches because you just see the wide eyed look of the linebackers and everybody's like, oh shit. We're getting taken to the woodshed, and there's nothing we can do about it. And the Browns are just angry on every play, looking to absolutely take somebody's head off. Nick Chubb's, like, rushing for, like, 12 yards of carry, just running motherfuckers over. Turns out the uh, Baptizing COVID... people on the edge. Good, I love that, baptizing people. It's a... Uh... <laughs> Uh, it's a whole thing with the uh, with the COVID. Turns out it was all fake. They were actually just in underground. St- Stefanski never actually had COVID, and they'd just been preparing for this moment for like the past four weeks. I saw like, PFM tweeted like a, a Cleveland Browns fan like with sunglasses and the Browns helmet and like a jacket, and it, it just said, Stefanski. Stefanski. Special teams coach about to get a coordinator job here after that performance that he put on play calling for that game. Like, uh, all I know is that one of so that was Alex Van Pelt, right? Yeah. So all I know is that one of the big points of contention between Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy was McCarthy fired Alex Van Pelt, who was the the Packers QB coach at the time, and never ran it by Rodgers. Like just made the change, and Rodgers was pissed about it. Yeah. And what uh, hell game, that was like what like the beginning of the end. Like the next year, I think he got hurt, and that was when they almost lost to the 0-16 Browns. They had to beat him in overtime. Uh, like it, it was that was the beginning of the end. So I thought that was interesting. Like seeing him resurface and do well. I was like, McCarthy, just like what what a meathead. Like what, as it turns out, like one of the more overrated coaches of my life. The smart yeah. thing that the Browns did with their left tackle being out, a lot of people would have expected them to kind of roll out to the right, run away from that guy. They said, nope, screw that, and they just pounded the ball right behind that guy. 
That left Covered tackle. Who's playing left tackle for him? His last name was Dunn. He ended up getting hurt late in the game. But yeah, they just they would pull their center and stuff. Wills over to the left. I, don't know. I mean, yeah, the, they, the guy did a great job. So yeah, they, yeah. they didn't lose. They didn't lose anything. I mean, they were literally Shove had a great night. They were just as good. So did I mean, Hunt. Yeah, they were good. Yeah, I mean, you could argue Hunt was vulturing touchdowns. Yeah, for but. sure. For sure. Yeah, it's it was a great game. I mean, I don't know what they're going to do against Kansas City. That's another conversation. But, uh, you know, they, they, they earned it. Let's just say that. Now you can't yeah. say that you didn't earn that opportunity and you didn't earn that win. And, uh, you know, it's I will say it's more entertaining to watch them go against Kansas City than the Steelers. Um, but, man, what a way for Big Ben to possibly go out, you know. Pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, in the interest of time, let's save Dougie P for Sunday and let's preview these Saturday games. Are we picking Saturday games right now? Uh, yeah, we can. Let's we do can. It. We might as we're well. Gonna, this is probably the time to do it. Air until until Sunday. Yeah, so. we might have some line movement, but uh, let's go ahead and pick. We can always yeah. adjust at closing line if we need to. Okay. Yeah, I'm cool with that. So yeah, I believe we're all in agreement. Have the first the first game. Yeah. Are you yeah. guys real quick? Are you guys okay with uh, if we make a you know an agreement that if it moves anywhere each way yeah. two points, we'll still be all right with it? We'll make our picks right now, and we'll. How about we set it at like kickoff? We'll just set the line at like at about kickoff is what we'll go with. So yeah, if the line moves, you can like repick and stuff off the air. But we'll just kind of preview it for the audience right now. And the Rams and Packers start at three thirty. It's in Lambeau. Spreads at about six and a half. Yes. I think I'm gonna rock rock the the Packers, man. Um, I think they're gonna win the game. Uh, if the spread moves, I may change my mind in terms of uh, of the picks on the spread. We'll have to see where it closes and uh, if it if it moves towards the Packers or away from them. I have a feeling it'll be about a touchdown though. So um, I, I think I'm gonna go ahead and take take the Packers to cover. I think this is they kind of got lucky. If you're Green Bay, I think this is probably who you'd want. Uh, unless it's the Bears or the Washington football team. But I think that you certainly would rather play the Rams as opposed to the Seahawks or the Bucks. Certainly the Bucks. Of the teams left, I'd, I'd, I, as a Packers fan, I'd rather have them play the Rams because you got Cooper Cup, knee injury, walked off the field at the end of the game. You got Aaron Donald. He'll play, but he's 100% have – he has cracked ribs or something. Yeah. Um, and then you have Jared Goff with his thumb issue, and even it went healthy – Probably not in for a you know Joe Montana esque performance in Lambeau. So I, I'm going to go ahead and take the Packers. Yeah, you know if if I if I had to pick this game, I haven't looked at it a ton yet, but just from looking at what happened last week, Cam Akers is really solidified himself with the Rams. I mean, he started to run the ball well. That's the only thing that scares me in this one is the fact that they're going to run all over Green Bay possibly. Um, but you're right, Zook Cup went out late. That was a little scary. And whether it's, I don't know if they'll start golf. I think they have to at this point. Because uh, is golfer even available? I have no idea. That's a thing. The injury report so far, from what I've heard, is like a Bortles stiff neck. In. But he definitely had worse than a stiff neck. Yeah, I'd imagine you'll see Bortles about, suiting like, up. Disc stuff, like when they kept showing the shot of the guy, the trainer pushing on his head, and he was wincing. I was like, "Oh my god!" Yeah. So Bortles might be suiting up regardless. They now know they probably need a third quarterback dressing. Um, but uh, either way, I think Green Bay is going to be too loaded. I I just 
their offense is going to move the ball enough at home. And I think Aaron knows this. I'm not saying it's his last chance, but it's it's one of his last opportunities to go win a Super Bowl. They got probably the best offense right now going on, I think, in, in the NFC for sure. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's it's not going to be a problem. And six and a half should be fine. I, I could see them winning by 10, and uh, mainly just because the Rams' offense will slow down. You know, I'll tell you, I, right now the Rams have come off a win, and but Seattle's not the Packers, you know. I mean, the, the Rams, especially with their injuries, I, and I don't see any snowflakes on my phone here. It looks sunny in 32, but it would be better if there was a few snowflakes up there. But uh, I, I I like the Packers here. I think the Packers are outscore them, just flatly outscore them. Yeah, if the, if the Packers can control the control the clock in this one, I, I don't think there's any way you can bet against them. This one just got under a touchdown while we've been on the show, so from seven down to six and a half, which is uh, suggesting that some more money's coming in on the Rams. But again, it's early in the week, and and I think even getting the the Packers at six and a half under a touchdown is a great spot. And so I will go ahead and take the Packers. Aaron Rodgers is, is clearly the MVP this year in my book and uh and he's got the hot hand right now and like you guys said it, the packers are not the seahawks so even with that really good rams defense i still think aaron Rodgers can get the job done especially if they can get their ground game going a little bit to to open it up for for Devontae adams yeah i i'm not like fully committing to the to the packers 100 on the pick like i, I kind of want to see where the spread ends up they do have the number one defense you know so like even if it's a if the spread's a touchdown, I think you got to be worried about like a Bills Colts situation. But I do think the Packers are going to win the game. Here's a stat for you: I believe the Rams are six or seven and one when uh, they've held teams under twenty points. When teams have scored twenty or higher, they're one and four this season. So it doesn't take a whole lot to put some pressure on these guys. I mean, and the Packers score yeah. over twenty routinely. So I I, I just think it's going to be kind of tough on the Rams, especially. We'll see how cup is we'll see how golf is we'll see how the offense looks but and i do expect by the way cam Akers to give the packers defense some problems and i don't think you'll see the same thing that you saw in this past game where the rams put up 20 points in the first half it, it's just these games tend to be lower scoring we'll, we'll toss the pittsburgh game out last night because that was kind of well, they got a defensive touchdown last weekend too so yeah yeah uh, so it, it, so it's it's one of those situations where um, again, it's not a it's not a Seahawks team that has been inconsistent on offense. It's one of the better offenses in the league with uh, with Aaron Rodgers. So again, if, if Green Bay gets out to a hot start, the Rams are not great, not a great team at playing catch up, playing from behind. Speaking of teams that typically are not very well at playing from behind, the other game we got to preview is the Ravens and the Bills. Ravens were able to finally come from behind and get a win last weekend. All I got to say about this game is. Can please just get me to to Bills Chiefs. Like I just need to see that matchup in the AFC title game. Um, the spread right now is just one, one and, and a half, half. For the Bills, which is all day Buffalo for me. All day. Like let I know the Rams had or sorry the Ravens had a nice comeback effort, but the Bills are the better team, and it's not as though those problems are going away for the Ravens. I, I love 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 the Bills minus one and a half if it stays there. Yeah. <sighs> looking at it you know it's tough i mean the fact that it's so low i have to i have to agree with you you know i like buffalo in this one too they they did show some some signs of weakness in the second half 
last game against Indy, which was which was odd. You know, you you expected them when Indy missed on those opportunities. They said Buffalo's going to kill him. They're going to absolutely destroy him, and they just didn't do that. They couldn't put him away. However, they they still did look a lot better. Josh Allen looks a lot better than he did in his first playoff appearance a year ago. So I honestly think that uh, they're going to roll in this one. I just don't think Baltimore is going to have enough firepower. The only thing that gets to me, and I've heard this on podcasts, I've heard this on the radio today all talking about Buffalo's rushing defense and not being able to keep up with Lamar Jackson. If they can keep Lamar Jackson in check, put some QB contain on there, and make Dobbins beat you if they're going to run the ball, uh, I think they'll be okay in this one. But one and a half is too low. I think they'll, they'll win the game and cover. Yes, the spread is the spread is way low here. I mean, last, last week the Ravens shut down the Titans' running game, and then the Titans couldn't come back with the pass. So look at this. If they, if they shut down Buffalo's running game, Buffalo's got a much better passing game, so they'll be able to move the football. That's the way I look at the game. I mean, Tally said it earlier. The D-backs are not that good on the Ravens. I think uh, I think Buffalo could take advantage of that. Give me buff. Yeah, I was nervous to bet on the Ravens at three and a half, just because when they play from behind, or you know, they they don't tend to cover those spreads too well. And so, when you see a game like this where Buffalo is favored by just one and a half. Even if it was a field goal, because it it, this very well could be a field goal game. Uh, it could be very uh, – I, I still think it's a high-scoring game. I, I would take the over in this one but because uh, I do think the Ravens will put up some points. But uh, that one-and-a-half number is just, just too low. Buffalo playing at home. I think they, they'll be able to get the job done. And, again, like we mentioned earlier in the show and TJ's mentioned, if they can control Lamar Jackson, make them throw the ball. We, we've noticed, yes, he did a fine job later in the game this past week of – of controlling that passing game, but he's not a good thrower. He's he's not a good passer. He gets it done with his legs. They get it done with the run game, and if you can really eliminate that ground attack from Baltimore, you can take him out of the game. Certainly, their defense is good, and uh, but I think Josh Allen can work against that defense. Got a couple different weapons and Diggs and Beasley and the and the both of the running backs. So. Uh, and the tight ends, too. Buffalo's got a lot of different weapons to move the ball around the field. So I think uh, Buffalo is is the correct bet here at one and a half. If it gets yeah. over three, that might change. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and that's why I love them. Like, I don't think that the Bills are just going to, like, kick their ass or anything like that. But it's yeah, like right. at one and a half, it's basically a money line bet. And right. I, I love that for Buffalo. I think that they could even trail in this game. Like, I could see the, the Ravens getting off to a hot start on the ground and going up 7 10 0 in this game. But I just don't think – I think it's going to be the Bills' offense that wins them the football game. I yeah. don't think that the Ravens' offense can keep up with the firepower that the Bills have offensively. And the Ravens' defense is very good. But I don't think that, especially with the the emergence of some of their, the gadget guys they have in the passing game, like uh, who's the is – it, is it McKenzie? What's his name, Tali? Isaiah, Isaiah McKenzie. And yep. then McKenzie has come on. You're not stopping Gabriel Diggs. You can only, yeah, Gabriel Davis. You can only hope to contain Stephon Diggs. And, uh, you know, Josh Allen's going to run for probably like 60 more yards and a touchdown. So yeah. I, I just don't see how you can slow the Bills' offense down enough. I think it's a good matchup for Buffalo, and so I, I I like them in this game. Both of these, uh, both of these games, you're getting a situation where at this point it seems like the – uh, better teams usually come out ahead. The team that's favored is going to be the one that covers the spread. You're not going to you're not going to see uh, these these five seeds go out and win a second game in a row. It's good to see them win that first game, but they're not likely going to win that second game. Isn't it uh, Lamar and Josh each going for their second ever postseason victory? Right. Yes. yes. 
Yeah, I thought they were both in that situation. Same draft so. class, I believe. Same yes. draft. I mean, they're, they're well honestly... Baker Mayfield. Yeah, yeah. So Pretty Pat, crazy. Pat wasn't in that draft, was he? No, he was with Deshaun and Trubisky. Year yeah, earlier. he was... Was a year earlier? Two years year earlier. earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Some other things that I like about this game is that the Ravens only put up 20 points against the Titans defense, who was 29th in DVOA. And in week seven through 16, Buffalo's defense and DVOA was six. They were 10% better than an average defense. They also held Kyler to only 60 rushing yards and 11 attempts. Nice. So that makes me think that they can contain Lamar. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's going to be the story, though. That's going to be the game. And like like Nick said, force him to throw and see what happens. If he, can, if he throws and he goes 27 for 30 and four touchdowns, God bless him. He beat you. But I don't think sure. it's going to happen that way. Not on Buffalo's second. That's the strength of their defense, too. But, like, I, I just think that Buffalo is invested in that front seven, too. Like, they're all young guys, and you haven't really heard of them. But, like, Ed Oliver, A.J. Epinesa, like, those guys are good in, in the run game. And you can get Jerry Hughes going, and, and their linebacking core is healthy again. Yeah, I really like really like Buffalo. So I think that'll close us out. We got to get Big Web in front of a TV screen. So uh, we got to we got to get get off the air here. No, no, no. It's all is good. All is good. Do <laughs> you want to thank our sponsors? Well, of course, K. Roberts Remax Gold, best real estate agent in St. Louis and everywhere. I told you this multiple times, and I'm going to keep telling you it because K. is the best in the business. She works around the clock for me, for you, for anybody. And the thing is, we always talk about this too, but it's true. She has her clients, and then once the job's done, a lot of real estate agents say, okay, I, I got you my deal. We'll see you later. See you never, whatever. K. always says, you remind you." Come as clients and your main as friends. So she wants you guys to stay. She wants to stay in business with you. She wants to stay friends. Make sure you're happy with your home purchase, with your home sale. K. Roberts, Remax Gold, the absolute best in the business. 314-409-4113. Online at stlhomes4u.com. stlhomes, the number four, Y-O-U.com. Sarah Barron, Family Finance Mortgage. Again, somebody else that works around the clock helping you out. She's still calling me and texting me, letting me know the best rates to refinance my home. Always letting me know. It can be 7 o'clock at night. Home from work. Everybody else is on the couch putting their feet up. Sarah's texting her clients to make sure they know the best rates. And she also helped me get my new home with the help of K. Roberts, Remax Gold. Sarah Barron, Family Finance Mortgage, 314-537-1282. Online at Family Finance Mortgage. Com. And last but not least, Alex Schlemmer over at Aces Wild in Columbia, Illinois. Ice cold beer over there. They got a they doubled the size, by the way, over there of Aces Wild. They have two TVs over there. You can watch all, no, three TVs. Three TVs. You can watch all the sports you want. You can bet live on DraftKings, on FanDuel, on your phone since it's in Illinois. They have Golden Tea. They have five slot machines. And again, they have Lobster Mania, Dad's favorite game. Lobster Mania. I might go over there and watch a little Illinois basketball. Ah, it's a good one. Yeah, Slim's a good guy. He'll take Kerry over there if you uh, let him know that from the 50 and uh, Bruising the Balcony boys sent you over. So that's 208 North Main Street in Columbia, Illinois. Go follow Aces Wild on Facebook today. Aces Wild 208 North Main Street in Columbia, Illinois. Proud sponsor, Bruising the Balcony and from the 50. Well, that'll do it for us. We'll see you guys on Sunday previewing a couple more divisional round matchups. And boy, I tell you what, it's getting down to it. Four games this weekend, then two games left before the Super Bowl. So for TJ, for Big Web, for the Knicks, I am Zach. Roll Tide. We'll see you on Sunday.